moved to a new house, and it was kind of a unique thing, okay? We had moved from the shop into the country, little uh, railroad community called Rossburg, which was burned over at the time. Kind of a bittersweet story, right? Because it was a cool place to live, lots of room to explore, lots of land and all that stuff. But my dad had promised my mom, okay, in exchange, three toiling at the shop for longer than she wanted to be there, which would have been like three days if it would have been up to her, but that's an entirely different discussion, told that they could move to the water when they retired. And this, though a cool place, was at the edge of a hayfield with this magnificent oak. Okay, this oak was like, I mean, it was like, I mean, it had to be from the middle 1800s, right? Why it got spared, no idea. This, and it was in a field by itself, so it was just like massive, right? Okay, so that was to the east of the house. And then there was this huge tamarack to the west of the house. There's some lowland there. And um, ever-expanding lawn, okay? My dad grew up as a farmer, left the farm when he was 25, ever-expanding lawn. Okay, I've told you about the garden, needed to be plowed with a two-bottom plow, which I know a two-bottom plow isn't a big deal, right? But when you're plowing a garden with a two-bottom plow, that's kind of puts you in a different category. Ever-expanding lawn, okay? Like each time he mowed, it would get just a little bit or a lot a bit wider. And as it got wider, he would hit rocks, right? And after a couple of times hitting the rocks and forgetting about it, then Tim and I, my younger brother, would be... Uh, would dig it out. That was our job. John, Tim, there's a rock out there. Needs to be dug out. You'll notice it. It's got scars from a mower blade. He didn't say that because he'd never really owned that. Most of the time, no big deal. MBD, as the kids would say today. But once in a while, you would encounter a rock that like just a little bit of a nubbin would stick out and you're like, oh, wow, what's going on here? Nope. And then you dig out and you dig out and you dig out. And pretty soon, Tim and I had this rock that was like as big as we were. It's probably like six feet across and eight feet tall. It was big, okay? It wasn't that big, but it was big, right? So we got this thing. My dad had a thing. He called it a gin pole. I don't know if it was actually a gin pole, um, but it was a, a loggers would use it. Railroad workers would use it. It was a long chunk of tamarack or white pine that had kind of a reinforced tip that you would use to get leverage. Is this what this thing is called? Does anyone actually know this? Is it a gin pole? Is that, I don't know. At any rate, we got the gin. So we finally had to pull it out with a tractor, right, to get it out, and we had this massive massive rock in front of us with only a little tiny bit showing. Today we turn to page 974. We're back there. Uh, Galatians, the big four, uh, starting with the phrase, I mean the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Elementary principles, a great translation would be elementary spirits, trapped by elemental things, trapped by elemental spirits. Shouldn't take long, but maybe it would take a while, right? All the stupid stuff I did when I was young, all the stupid stuff I did when I was young because I didn't realize to whom I belonged. All the stupid stuff that I did being trapped by youth. All the stupid stuff that I continue to do even though I am no longer young, but I'm still trapped by these youthful things. 
trapped by these elemental things, trapped by these elemental spirits. What does Paul mean? Practically, to this day, when I wipe out, when I sin, when I do something that is wrong, it's rarely a new thing. It's rarely a complex thing. It's rarely a, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. Where did that come from? No, it's because I get angry in the wrong way or I want something that I can't have or shouldn't have. It's pretty basic stuff. But it's how the world, according to Galatians, according to Paul, operates. These elemental things, these elemental spirits, the stuff that fights against 328. The stuff that fights against, in just a few weeks, 5, 22, and 23. The elemental things, the elemental spirits, the stuff that defines the world. The arrogance, right? The derision, the division, the misdirection, the stupidity, especially with how we treat each other. The impatience. I've grown so impatient with my own impatience. The so mine, the so more. Someone was once quoted as saying, I'll make sure capitalism survives because I've taught my niece or nephew two important words, mine and more. (laughs) Yikes. I don't think that's unique to capitalism. A sense of, I'm under attack, so I need to fight. No, you don't. We need to follow, not fight. Our way of life is under attack. Stop. Slow down. Probably the only one attacking me is me. And if truly someone else is attacking me, then I should look to the example of Jesus. Elemental things, elemental spirits, trapped by youth, trapped by youthful things, These aren't new things. They've been around since the days of the papaya. There is more, right? There is more than what the world offers. But it is so easy to get trapped. The greatest showman, right? For years and years, I chased their cheers, the crazy speed of always needing more. Trapped by elemental spirits, trapped by elemental things. It's not where Paul leaves us. Verse 4, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption. If you were to list the essential activities of God, what would you put in that list, right? What would you put in the list? I'd put creation, um, I would put sustaining, um, there's other things, right, that we might add, the favorite attributes of God that we would put in there. But redemption has to be pretty top list, right? The, the end, according to Paul, is redemption to redeem those who were under the law. I might even argue the point of human history post-fall, post-papaya, 
is redemption. The whole idea of creation and existence is to reclaim what was lost in the fall. The whole game for God is to get back something that was lost to evil. Can I give you that as perspective, right? It's so easy to think that, that, that our lives are about ourselves, or even our history is super important to us, right? And for some of us, it's a good history. For some of us, it's a harder history. But, but it's just the tip of the rock, right? It's just the tip of the iceberg, right? We, we, think, we think we're really pretty big. Perspective, folks. I, I understand what's going on. I love where I live, but please know, Europe has barns that are older than the U.S. And before you think I'm a Euro lover, which I kind of am, I like French food, the Camino was a good time, the Sistine Chapel is amazing, but anything in Europe is, is kind of predated by the goodies around the Mediterranean, right? The old cities, the ruins, and, and those things. Well, if you're talking about age, it's really tough to beat the Sahara or the Himalayas, Right? because they certainly look a lot older than anything else that's around. The point I'm trying to make, push you just a little bit, please. Let me push you just a little bit. The point I'm trying to make is that our histories are just the tip, right? And the plan of God is, is much larger. It's much more robust. And the idea of how can we experience the redemption that we desperately need. Article this last week in the New York Times, um, and, and it, was, it, it kind of intrigued me because usually when I read an article like this, okay, whether it be from the Times or the Wall Street Journal or some other thing on the spectrum, right, it, it's, it's usually either so far here or so far here, I'm just like, oh, seriously, can you not just stop? But the title of the article, listen, my church was part of the slave trade. This has not shaken my faith. I'm intrigued. It kind of seems like it lives where I live, kind of in the middle, right? With this and that. Person talks, Rachel Schwarns. I don't know much about her. She says, I'm a professional and a journalist who writes about slavery and its legacies. I'm also a black woman and a practicing Catholic. I stumbled across a story in 2016 when I got a tip about the prominent Jesuit priest who sold 272 people to raise money for a college. This was 1938. I was astounded. Catholic priests had bought and sold human beings. Why didn't I know why? All that is to say, if you want to read her book, she's got one. Why would she stay with the church? Her response. Why stay? Because the church is bigger than the sinful men within it. She qualifies that a little bit. Those priests had power to forcibly enslave people, but they did not control God or his Son or the Holy Spirit. The church, the true universal church depicted in Scripture, did not belong to these men. The church, with prayers and hymns, rituals of the faithful, have sustained families for generations, belong to everyone, including the throngs of newly emancipated emancipated black Catholics. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. 
What I like about the article is that it acknowledges the pain of the past because I don't think I can heal from something that's in my past if I'm not willing to confess what's wrong. The Bible's pretty clear on that. But it doesn't let the past define, right? The past becomes a defining moment, but it doesn't. And that's for any of us. Our past does not have to define who we are, but it can be a defining thing for us. Another thing for the article, it's so easy to dismiss faith because of what some Yahoo did to us. So easy. But the true faith, the true God of the Scriptures is above that. And the true God of the Scriptures is is bringing things to redemption. The reason for God doing what God is doing is to bring order, to bring redemption to the chaos because of the papaya fiasco. What would it look like? What would it look like if we allowed the redemptive work of God to touch every aspect of our lives? Text goes on, verse 7, 5 rather. I'll give you context. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has spent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a son, a daughter. And if a son, if a daughter, then an heir through God. The translators can't help themselves even in the work of verse 28. I just want to briefly say, no one's excluded from the kingdom of God because of their biology. It's daughters and sons, it's sons and daughters. You, because of Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus, irrespective of your biology, can be an heir. Boys and girls, men and women. Enough said on that. The Father we know, verse 6, And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our world, hearts crying, Abba, Father. Abba is a band and an Aramaic word. Aramaic is the lingua franca of the Jesus' day. Okay, it's, it's, the, it's the business language, right? We can talk about Abba, Abba. There, there's, there's an affection inherent in the world, right? In the word. An affection inherent in the word. Some of you are like, yes, I get that affection. Dancing Queen is the best song ever. <laughs> Fernando, maybe you like Fernando better. The most, thing to, uh, most important thing to know about Abba is that it's the name that Jesus used to address the Father. We're right to say in the first century, Abba, Abba, Abba was, was this deep affection. It was a, a familiar word that a child would have used with a parent. It's not a formal word. It's something that would have been happening in the household. Yes, all that stuff is true and all that stuff important. But the most important thing is it's how Jesus addresses his father. And Jesus says we can address the father in the same way, Okay. So, for instance, like when I send a text to Anna or William, I will often sign it D-O-D. What do you think that stands for? Your dear old dad. 
Now, if one of you came up to me and said, dear old dad, I would just look at you like you're a freak and say, you have no right to use that language with me. That is deeply personal to me and my children. If you come up to me afterwards, I'm like, D-O-D. I'll just be like, stop. I just asked you not to. Just don't. Just, it's not funny. Just. So when Jesus says we can address the Father, Abba, he is saying, you can use the pet name that I use to get my Father's attention. You can use a name that only I have the exclusive rights to, but I'm giving you those exclusive rights. Jesus invites us, okay? Invites us to take a chance. See what I did there? Chance, take a chance, take a, take a chance, chance. Thank you. It's hard for some of us, right? Because the fathers that we've known haven't been the best examples. Others of us, profoundly grateful for the fathers that we have had. Probably most of us are in the middle where we're like, yeah, I really liked my dad. I just wish he wouldn't have beaten me like a drum. You know what I'm saying? You know, there's kind of this, right? Jesus says, if you've been hurt by a father, know that you're seen. Jesus says, if you've been hurt, know that you can be redeemed. Know that you don't have to repeat the same mistakes that were demonstrated to such a powerful effect in your life. No, please know this. The Heavenly Father is in the business of redemption. He wants to take our past and redeem it. He wants to take our lives and restore them. He wants to redeem you and me and allow that redemption to touch every aspect of our lives. It's something that I think I'm just beginning to discover, right? Something that might just take a lifetime. I remember that there were things in my 30s, okay, that when I encountered them in my 30s, the pressure got so deep on me, and I kind of said to God, wait a second, you gave me a pass on this stuff in my 20s. And God was like, yeah, but we need to redeem this now. Okay, cool, I'm in. Get to my 40s. Same thing happens. God's like, hey, we need to redeem a little bit more of John's behavior in this area. Big thing that I dealt with in my 40s was my anger, right? And I was thinking, God, but you let me get away with it in my 30s. Yeah, 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 I understand, but you know, hey. Now, shock of all shocks, I'm 56, and I'm still having to work on stuff. I'm not perfect yet. And God says, yeah, exactly. Because I want to redeem all of you. It's what God wants to do in all of our lives. And I suspect when I get into my 60s, God will be like, 
these rough edges, you need to take these down. And I'll be like, God, why didn't you address those in, when I was 50? You couldn't handle it. It's okay. Now we're going to deal with it. And I suspect when I'm in my 70s, and I suspect should it go longer than that when I'm in my 80s, I suspect that I will daily need and want to experience the redemptive work of the Father in my life. And all I'm asking for is that you take the chance for your own life. That you take the chance to get to know this Father. Happy Father's Day to all of you. There's a whole list of things that you need to be aware of if you're a dad now. And Number one, you can wear New Balance 990s with anything, even a suit jacket. Crocs are okay, even though I don't understand it. I think Crocs are not an abomination. Parent pedal, pellet grilling is a thing, and... Um, a discussion, the fact that today's weed is too strong and multiple computer screens at work and t-shirt options and the real goat, who should be the real goat, the greatest of all times, and, and e-bikes. Apparently, if you're a dad these days, you need to be conversant about e-bikes. And you probably have an opinion about artificial intelligence. You might be experimenting with being powerballed. And Lord knows you probably need a statin. But more than all of that stuff this Father's Day, for all of us, we need this Father. And Jesus has said, you can reach out to him using the name that I use, and he'll answer. Can I get you to take a chance on the Father? Please pray with me. Father, in the quietness of the moment, and truly, we can cry out like Jesus cried out and say, Abba. Through your Spirit, reveal to us the things that you want to redeem in our lives. Father, thank you that you have created a pathway in which our experience is to be redemption. That we can be forgiven if we ask. That we can be saved if we know your son. That we can, in that position, call you Abba, Father. Thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.